Indeed, it is time for the get right here on DFW Sports Station and your home of the World Series champion, Texas Rangers and America's team, Dallas Cowboys. 105 through the fan. It's time for the get right, but a young guns takeover. My name's Alec Medford. I'm joined by the fan phenom, Blake Elliott. Yes, sir. Talk to me. We back. We rolling again. And we got Ross Lebensky holding things down for you. The Tolo, the Turn It On, Leave It On listener, we appreciate you so very much for joining us here on the Get Right until 11 o'clock tonight. That's when we will be with you. 7 to 11, full show tomorrow with myself and the three-time Hall of Famer Chris Arnold. And then we round out the week with an, another Young Guns takeover. Yeah, we do. You get four hours of us Blake. on Friday. Yeah, that's going to be uh, that's gonna be pure chaos. But the truckwreck.com text line is 877-881-1053. 877-881-1053. Eight eight one one zero five three. We're also live on Twitch and YouTube, mm-hmm. twitch.tv slash Dallas Fan Cam or 105.3 The Fan on YouTube. Shorter show tonight, but that doesn't mean that we don't have enough to talk about. Micah Parsons speaks out on the lack of officiating in his favor. Mm-hmm. Coming up on the other side, we got to talk about Mitch Garver's uh, absence now that he leaves behind as he has departed from the texas rangers for the mariners and if you're hitting the rangers panic button we got tons to talk about around the nfl and so much more so turn it on and leave it on as you always do but blake i was doing some prep for this show as you know i probably should Mm -hmm. and i was doing some reading from the athletic and i saw a piece put out that was titled what the cowboys must show before the playoffs see if i agree and there was a few different topics, and I, I want to see if we can build on these ourselves. The first thing, and if you have anything that you think the Cowboys must show heading into the playoffs that maybe we aren't thinking about, 877-881-1053, let us know on the truckwreck.com text line on Twitch or YouTube. But the first thing was health. And I think, you know, you can say that about any team, right? Mm-hmm. Especially this point in the year going into the postseason as the team has already clinched a playoff spot uh you know you can ask the san francisco 49ers who they're holding their breath on trent williams uh you can ask the eagles jalen hurts hasn't been healthy healthy all season he hasn't missed any games but he hasn't been fully there uh aj brown you saw get a little dinged up in that game against the 49ers you've seen other teams across the nfc deal with these injuries to some key players like the seattle seahawks uh, some of these teams have found a way to stay pretty healthy through the middle to the end of the season. And guess what? They're playing some of the best football in the NFC, like the LA Rams, yep. like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who would have thought they're playing some of the most consistent football right now. And for the Cowboys, you're missing probably your best or at least your most respected run defender in mm-hmm. Jonathan Hankins up the middle. Yep. Uh, and the Bills gashed the Cowboys on the ground the first week. Gash without is Jonathan an understatement. Hankins. Yes, absolute uh, understatement. And then without left tackle Tyron Smith this past weekend against the Miami Dolphins, Dak Prescott and the offense, it just seemed like it was really hard for the offense and Mike McCarthy is included in that to find a rhythm. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like when the offense was humming for the past few weeks, there was a lot of rhythm. There was a good sense of consistency. You don't get that when some of your best guys Mm -mm. are down. Yeah, battle of attrition. It's not how you start. It is how you finish. And like you just mentioned, some of those middle-of-the-pack teams have kind of risen out of nowhere. The Bucs, the Rams, and the Seahawks, teams that have gotten a little bit healthier as the season's gone on. And I've kind of been thinking about this phenomenon lately. Like, it happens in all pro sports, but not obviously wishing injury, 
But sometimes injuries are a good thing to happen to your team because it allows other guys to step up. And so when you come in those big moments, you can rely on your third, fourth string, whatever position they may be, and they have experience within the game. Because obviously, we obviously have had um, O-line troubles the last couple of years. So um, Truma was able to come in. I'm not saying he was an all-pro left tackle last game. Obviously, he had his troubles. But he already had six or seven starts on him. He's a lot more comfortable going out there than a guy that's his first time getting thrown out there. So hopefully, um, our team can get healthy. Tyron and Zach, obviously Tyron not playing, Zach being banged up is not what you need because – as you saw, Alec, Dak's a different quarterback when that blitz and pressure. I wouldn't even say blitz. Just when the pressure, when the pocket's collapsing, he's not as confident in the pocket, nor is, honestly, any quarterback in the league. So having a clean pocket's really important. And when you get those guys healthy, it, I think we look like a different offense. And I thought we cleaned up the run D without Hankins being there. Obviously, it could be better. It looked a lot better than it did from Buffalo to Miami. But, yeah, there's still some problems that we need. Got to get healthy. Got to get Tyron back. Got to get um, Hankins back in that middle. Need the big boys. I think my favorite text that I got in the game versus the Miami Dolphins and Luca just made a pass behind his head. He does this. To Seth Curry and he drained an open three. Uh, that was kind of ridiculous. I'm sorry. I just had to take a moment to give that. It's uh, real-time appreciation. So what happens that, when you watch Luca. It's hard to realize this guy's human. That man is just dumb good i haven't even checked um, the box score i know he has 20 <laughs> I, I, th I think my favorite uh text that i got during that game between the cowboys and the dolphins from mm -hmm. a from a friend was yeah i'm about to call the police on chuma adoga yeah. and because there that was, one play was egregious there was, <laughs> i know which one you're talking about where they had a three on three look <laughs> on the left side and he just completely let bradley chubb blow it was right like the past last him. second so he was like acting like he was gonna block him he got close he said Nah, See, I'm go double team. It would make sense if he had an inline tight end right <laughs> next to him, but guess what? There was nobody within ten yards of him, and for some reason, he felt like he needed to help pick up that blitz that was already accounted for by Tyler Smith and Tyler Biotish. Mm -hmm. uh, it, there was actually a second play just like that later in the game yep. that nobody really talked about because we were all just kind of focused on score, 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 mm. score, and nobody was saying, "Hey, let's see how that left tackle's playing." Yeah. You know, uh, it was rough, but the silver lining out of all of that is it's not any serious injuries. Mm -mm. We've had a, some bad luck the past few years with a couple guys going down with more serious yeah. uh, types of injuries. And, I mean, you had your one big one at the beginning of the year with Trayvon Diggs. Yeah. But outside of that, uh, Leighton Vanderesh as well. When Overshone. you got to the yeah, DeMarvian Overshone, which, I mean, we had a lot of hope for, but yeah, we, but we it, hadn't seen anything yet. There was no yet. guarantee. Yeah, yeah so, uh, you know, from the key contributors that we knew of that had – uh, skins on the wall. Known quantities. Yeah, yeah we, we kind of got lucky for the most part outside of those two guys on defense. The next thing that the Athletic put together was run defense, and I think that's pretty obvious because mm -hmm. of the Jonathan Hankins injury right after that we mentioned it. The Bills absolutely gashing the team uh, for, it felt like, all of the rushing yards. It was well over 250. Uh, not great, but of the other six teams currently in the NFC playoff picture, four are in the top 10 in rushing offense, and that includes the likes of the 49ers and the Eagles, and even the LA Rams rounding that out at number 10. So run defense is going to be a huge thing, and look, you mentioned the LA Rams. They are a great uh, prove-it, if you will, that uh, rushing offenses can definitely win in the postseason because remember a couple of years ago when a dude named C.J., Ran all over yep. the Cowboys defense right off the couch. He was basically like a human bowling ball. Hendo. Yeah. Uh, he hadn't played in a while just right off the couch, and it kind of worked. Shout out Joe Flacco doing the exact same thing over there 
for the Cleveland Browns, but run defense is going to be something that is obviously going to be pivotal going forward, and you hope that it will get better, one, just through coaching and a heightened sense of awareness in my mind, but you're going to get Jonathan Hankins back here in the next few weeks. Don't really know exactly when. We haven't gotten a clear-cut update on that, but whenever he comes back, and I don't think many people are going to give the Cowboys their flowers for it. Obviously, they lost against the Dolphins, and ultimately, the defense just needed one stop at the end of the game, and that field goal isn't getting kicked. That's all they needed, but... For three quarters, it felt like that run defense was shored up at least a little bit. It felt like they set the edge pretty I, well. I was literally clapping my hands back and forth. I was like, because I was hitting the table the whole week like, hey, we could lose this game. Obviously, I want to win it. But if our run defense looks better, I'll feel a lot happier. Now, obviously, <laughs> I said that and I thought I'd feel okay. I still didn't feel great because I was like, maybe if they just torch us with Tyreek, you know, it is what it is. But we actually outrushed the Dolphins. 97 yards for us, 91 for the Dolphins. Um, so and I even the eye test and kind of watching the film back, it felt like we were playing some good run defense. The safeties were coming down. We were playing really well vertically. We had a lot of plays stopped at the line of scrimmage or behind. Obviously, they're going to get some carries here. That that's part of when you run the ball with uh, the fast guys that they got. But we also saw Michael Parsons play a little bit of off ball, which was obviously a big talking point the last week. So I thought all in all, the run defense was okay. I wasn't like, oh my gosh, we're the Ravens or Niners or anything all of a sudden but it was definitely an improvement from what we saw in Buffalo and hopefully it's a thing that can keep getting better I think it was more of a scheme thing and guys buying in obviously we didn't get anybody new on that defense so it wasn't like a talent like they know how to tackle they know how to read the holes just doing it trusting your eyes understanding the scheme and it seemed like those guys bought in in that week but it feels like with the Cowboys once one thing is fixed another wound is open we yeah. stopped the run defense, and all of a sudden, I'm not saying the Dolphins were necessarily going crazy in the past game, but it felt like for a good amount of that game, they kind of got whatever they wanted. They were just like, oh, we'll throw it here, we'll throw it here, we'll pick up 10 here, we'll pick up 5 here. It wasn't much resistance in the past game. Yeah, and hopefully you can find a little bit of uh, rebuttal here when you host the Detroit Lions on Saturday because that's an offense that is still really, really good, especially in the rushing department, but I feel like they're not as potent in the pass game as they were at the beginning of the year. Correct. You're starting to see Jared Goff make some of those throws that you saw back in L.A. again. But that's still a really good offense. I'm not discrediting them. I'm just hoping that if you can stop the run, you can at least force Goff into uncomfortable positions. And, that, and that's in the Cowboys' favor. Yeah, and that's abs absolutely in their favor. And I think that's kind of the key to winning any football game in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So it's not anything against Jared Goff or the Lions. It's just saying, look, if you can get home with four and you can keep the rushing offense of Jameer Gibbs and company in check, then you might have a chance in this one against a really high-powered offense. But the next topic here of things the Cowboys must show before the playoffs, penalties. And the Cowboys have the second most penalties in the league now. Oh, we're, a, oh, we're second now. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> we're not first. <laughs> With 108. You know who's in first now? Uh, Seahawks? They the, were they were like third or something. The New York Jets. The Jets, okay. They have surpassed the Cowboys by three. Let's go. That's a win right there, guys. We're not first in penalties anymore. <laughs> yeah, the Cowboys are second in NFL in defensive holdings with 11, but uh, some of those you could just say playing aggressive, which I feel like under Dan Quinn I've really appreciated the aggressive defense that they played, especially on the outsides. You're seeing a lot of aggressive uh, action from the corners and from the secondary, but uh, the officials, far from perfect. Absolutely far from perfect, and we'll hear from Micah Parsons here in a little bit about what he had to say about the lack thereof in terms of the calls that uh, benefit him, but 
there does need to be a little more account accountability from the team for that lack of discipline. Mm. And I don't know where it starts because you can talk about things like, uh, you know, you extend drives defensively a lot by jumping off sides or, you know, an unnecessary face mask grab, whatever it may be. There needs to be a little bit more accountability and in my mind from the top down, because yeah. that does feel like a coaching first thing. Yeah. And then you start pointing at the players when it's like, okay, it's been a month and a half. Why are you guys still committing these fouls? And see, the, it's not just the number of fouls. It's when they occur. Does it not feel like they're always backbreaking penalties? Like it's, we, we finally stop a really good yeah. offense on third down and it's third and 15. And they throw up some jumbo and then we get a late hit or we get a personal foul or there's a guy holding 20 yards away from the ball. Went. Like, I understand if it's P.I. and you're going one on one and it's a jump ball, it's going to happen. But I feel like a lot of them are boneheaded penalties. So yeah. that's on like coaching and discipline and, and understanding who you're playing with and the guys you have out there and being able to be disciplined in those big moments because they've cost us points. They haven't just been ticky-tack ones they've literally cost us 7 3 10 14 whatever like momentum especially in that bills game i'm not saying i agree with all the calls but you don't want to put yourself in that situation where calls like that can fluctuate the game and you know what's really weird i don't know if i'm alone on this hill but to me at very minimum it felt like through the first month even maybe bleeding into the second month of the season it didn't feel like this was exactly a major issue yeah like I, I was giving McCarthy his props for mm -hmm. saying, look, the fundamentals are fully there. And at that point, it was just, it felt like the offense didn't have the rhythm yet. Mm -hmm. That was my big knock. Now it's the complete opposite. It feels like the offense has figured out their identity yeah. and how to find a rhythm, excluding the last two weeks. Yeah. But now it's like we're reverting back to old ways. Old habits die hard. We yep. say it all the time. And the penalties are starting to rear their ugly head. I hate it at it, this time of the year. It's because we're not winning, man. At the beginning, the offense, like you said, didn't really, wasn't really much to count on. We were beating teams 40 nothing, 35 nothing defense with multiple takeaways every week. Start playing these higher potent offenses. There's more film on you. Next thing you know, the defense starts to come back to the mean. Obviously, the offense has excelled since then and taken off and been able to kind of keep us above ground. But, like, back to what I said a couple of seconds ago, when one thing starts to falter, another thing pops up. It, it hasn't seemed like we've put together – Multiple weeks against good teams where offense is good, defense is good, special teams. We've had a couple with some middling teams, but it seems like now, now that the defense is slipping or defense is playing well in, this, in the last against Miami, offense can't pull it together. Obviously, in Buffalo, neither of those happen, but we need to put together in this Lions game, we need to have all of that together. The fourth and final thing the Cowboys must show before the playoffs is a plan offensively for the run game. And it's not exactly like I heard on Cowboys Crosstalk. Someone drop, hey, give Tony Pollard 20 carries a game. It's not exactly that. It's more so just saying you need to figure out a plan for this come playoff time because what were we just talking about with the run defense? In the playoffs, usually a good rushing attack works yep. just because you can play off of that. And that's, that's fundamental football. That's complementary football at its core. And that's something that Mike McCarthy ever since – you know, he first landed in Dallas. He's always preached that complimentary football. But what does it look like? Do you have a one-two punch where it's a bit more even split between Rico Dowdle and Tony Pollard? Uh, you know, they did that for a stretch. It felt like in the middle of the season where there was a bit more balanced of an attack. Is it a combination of more guys that play receiver mm -hmm. getting touches in the backfield? CD's you saw been CD. doing that a couple times now. You've seen CD doing it quite a bit now yeah. uh brandon cooks on end arounds Cavante turpin just the same uh hunter lipke even carried oh, the ball don't say that name 
Don't say that. Look, don't give I, me nightmares. That, that was just one of those things. I'm not knocking the fullback. That felt like one of those things that it was working until it didn't. No, I, I I'm definitely just being overly emotional about that because. Everyone at the station and the fans were, give Hunter Lipke the ball. He's their fullback for the short yardage. And it literally worked earlier in the drive. Yeah, it worked three times in that same, in the same drive. same drive. Not even, like, early in the season. Literally in that drive. And it's just, you know, undrafted guy, big situation, just didn't take the handoff. I'm sure he'll get another opportunity. But, um, yeah, happens. It happens. And the Cowboys are a decent running team, and it doesn't really feel like it. They do rank number 12 in the NFL in yards per game and 15th in yards per rush. So the numbers would prove it. It's just the eye test. You don't feel like you're getting that pop that you got a couple years ago with the Zeke, Tony Pollard experience when Zeke was still on the healthier side of things. It doesn't feel like we're getting that anymore. And look, it's because you don't have two marquee names. It's nothing against Rico Dowdle. It's just the fact that Rico Dowdle has had his own injury issues to which he didn't even practice today with the ankle injury it's like the last couple weeks we've had him questionable dnp so it's been a when we had rico at full strength it felt like we had a strong one-two punch and now that tony's kind of getting his legs under him rico's kind of like on the injury report so hopefully at some point maybe playoffs we can have both those guys at full strength that would be nice and it seems like tony pollard is starting to feel like himself a little bit more and he was telling the media earlier in the week and last week saying look You know, I'm just now kind of getting back to form after that nasty ankle injury in the postseason. You think about how close that is up, you know, to training camp and to the beginning of the regular season. He's just now starting to feel fresh. And when you have a guy that has fresh legs at this point in the season, that's a great thing. Look at what Aaron Jones did this past weekend. Also, you can't say that name. That's fantasy football legend let down. I mean, two years in a row. I had him on my team, so I can't. (laughs) I'm right there with you, but. No, like what he was able to do because he just looks like he has a high motor and the first game that he was starting to say, like, I feel good again. I feel like myself. He goes out there and rushes for over 100. Yeah, with running backs, it's all about attrition and legs. I mean, that's why we always see usually the top couple rushers, the best seasons are in your first four or five years. It's usually not on that second or third contract. It's it's tough that we see guys later. Raheem Mostert is definitely a, um, what's it called? A diamond doesn't happen often when you're in your late in your career and all of a sudden you're leading the league. Yeah, in, diamond in, in the rough for sure. Rushing touchdowns. So being able to have fresh legs this late in the season will be important. And we're going against probably the best one-two punch in the league this upcoming week against the Lions. It's going to be interesting to see how it all goes down. And, of course, you can hear it right here on your home of Dallas Cowboys football, 105.3 The Fan. But – we do have live NBA basketball at the AAC right now. The Mavericks lead big 50-30 to 30 here at the uh, beginning of the second quarter. We will keep you up to date in that action. And in the second period on the road, the Stars are down 1-0. Uh, we will keep you up to date in that matchup as well. It's the get right here on 105.3. The fan Alec Medford and the fan phenom Blake Elliott. And coming up next... Garver's long gone. Are you hitting the Rangers panic button yet? 877-881-1053. Let us know where you stand with the Rangers and free agency so far. We'll talk about that next on the Get Right. Garf sauce is long gone. What's next for the Texas Rangers right here on your home of the World Series champs, 105.3 The Fan. It's the Get Right, but a young gun's takeover. Alec Medford and the fan phenom Blake Elliott. And we are with you until 11 o'clock tonight. Coming up on the other side, we take a trip around the NFL where we get into 
the craziness and the really just ugliness that is the Denver Broncos organization and what the hell is happening with Russell Wilson. That's going to be really fun to unpack coming up here in about 15 minutes or so. So keep toloing and you I like the will accent right there. See, I was trying toloing. to I was trying to uh, enunciate because, you know, saying like toloing real fast. Mm-hmm. I feel like you could easily step on that one. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that just one, it's it's a word we created. So it's like it's already it hasn't been said enough times in human history that you kind of got to you got to put some emphasis on it there, you know? Mm. See what I'm saying there? I like that. Yeah, uh, I'm using my writer brain. It's uh it's a great thing. Uh but you know what's not a great thing? Tell me. The quietly while we were on Christmas Eve all just depressed and whatever and mad and tweeting about the uh Dallas Cowboys falling to the Miami Dolphins, the Texas Rangers also lost. How did they lose? They lost their DH. Garf sauce. Mitch Garver uh, reached a two-year, $24 million deal with the Mariners. So, unfriendly territory there that he goes to. But uh, it's adding to a playoff contender after a winter of dealing off their major league roster, which is, you know, they're kind of in a, a weird spot, or the Mariners, but they add a very sound bat who thrives in that part-time role and honestly, I think they got him on a great deal. I think the two years, 24, 12 per is a fantastic deal for a Mitch Garver, which one, he's got the injury history. You don't really know what you're going to get with him in terms of availability. But two, when he does play like he did this year, 344 plate appearances, uh, he hit 270 with 19 home runs and 50 RBIs, which I mean, in just 344 plate appearances, not too shabby, and he's a guy that, you know, he can also be your backup catcher. You just worry about the health there, but, you know, as a DH, as that second catcher, he's more than serviceable, and look, the Rangers declined to give him the qualifying offer because it was north of $20 million, and that would have been a lot for a one-year deal. I don't blame them there, but it's kind of been the theme of this Rangers offseason that it's been very quiet, and we kind of didn't expect it, and We've been talking about it for weeks, and, you know, I'll, I'll take my flowers here and say I tried to warn everyone that the whole Valley Sports, you know, RSN fees situation that was going to have a lot to do with how the Rangers go forward this winter, and it's all because the projected number they were due in 2023 from Diamond Sports Group, the parent company of Valley Sports, was over $110 million. That's a lot of money in one year. And you talk about a team whose payroll wasn't even too far ahead of that figure. You're talking about well over half of the payroll. Theoretically, I know they get tons of money from other stuff. I know people are going to say that. But if you just look at the numbers and compare apples to apples, that's more than half of the payroll being paid for in 2023 by TV rights alone. And the uncertainty that lies ahead of are they even going to be on Bally Sports this year has obviously played a factor in Ray Davis and Chris Young's uh, spending as they haven't really done much of anything. It's been some sleeper deals. It's been some minor league deals. They made seven of them today, I believe. I will get you up to date on those. But with a Mitch Garver who really contributed, especially in that Baltimore series in the postseason, hitting that grand slam, yep. uh, that was a much-needed impact in that series plus – 
Uh, he provided valuable depth behind Jonah Heim because Sam Huff hasn't exactly developed into the monster power hitter that you expected him to be, which to his credit, he probably got called up a few times too early uh, for you know those losing seasons in the COVID year even. Probably made a couple of appearances that he wasn't ready for. Might have stunted his development a little bit, but there, there's two ways to look at the Mitch Garver development. It's, hey, a great opportunity for a Sam Huff to step up or for them to go add a veteran catcher behind Jonah Heim that won't cost much of anything, but a guy that you know can get the job done, kind of like they did a couple of years ago when they went and got a guy like Tim Fedorovich. Mm -hmm. You know, just a guy that will get the job done. You don't expect him to swing the bat well at all. You just need a good defender like Austin Hedges was. You, you know, analytically, was one of the best defending catchers in all of Major League Baseball, but, he, you know, we all know he was abysmal at the plate. Remember so when he had that huge plate appearance like <laughs> late in the game? Everyone was like, this would be a great story if he could get a hit right here. He just, he just struck out. I would have gave someone $50 if he made it on base. But, he made uh, contact with the ball. And, and he's a guy that left in free agency as well. He yeah. went back to Cleveland where he started his career. So you're starting to see it's not marquee players. Mm -hmm. Mitch Garver was important, mm -hmm. especially in the postseason. Mm -hmm. But it's not impact players. But it's guys. Yeah. And what's something, especially in the bullpen, you talked about during the season that you didn't have? Depth. Yep. You didn't have reliable guys behind X, Y, and Z. And see, I think that's why this happened. Let me, I'm going to say two things to put this all in context. When you win a championship in pro sports, everybody wants to get paid. Everybody thinks that they had their piece in the pie. Everybody's money goes up a little bit. No matter if you were the backup catcher, you were the seven-string pitcher, if you had a fourth-string center on a basketball team, don't matter. Everybody thinks that they deserve their money. So the price goes up. And then my second point of context is there is a reason that Mark Cuban is no longer the majority stakeholder. He said, talking on the game or talking before the game, needed more money in here. Media ain't the same anymore. We don't have the same money coming in from these streaming services. And the obviously that the um, Rangers haven't been able to figure out a deal when it comes to that payroll that Alec was referring to. Some money is going to be lost. Now, Ranger fans, do you want us to have one of the better DHs and backup catcher, or would you rather have better pitching depth, which is obviously more of a concern? Because I think in that DH spot, catcher, like Alex said, you can kind of fill anybody in there to kind of fill some games. And then you still got young guys. We still got Duran. We still got Langford that might came up. Um, Foskey, you were talking about Harris. Like, there's some guys that can fill that spot. Um, we saw Jankowski, like, it's not a thing where you have to have Mitch Garver there and then the whole rest of the team is going to be depleted. I'm fine with them spending that money elsewhere. Obviously, the price point was a little bit higher than they were wanting to pay for him. And I'm glad he got his bag. Garve sauce was amazing. Loved him here. But, you know, things when you win a championship, it's very hard to keep a team together. So I'm not surprised about this move. Somebody's going to, I don't want to say overpay, but maybe give a little bit more than value is expected. Um, you know, he's 32, had it coming off a good uh, postseason, good second half of the year. But I'm sure that uh, Chris Young and Boach and all them boys have have some other sleeve. They have a reason that they didn't uh, pursue his home. From Lasso on the Twitch, no salary cap in MLB, so it's all excuses, AM. I don't think it's all excuses because this money is definitely in question now. Salary and cap means you can spend as much as you want. It doesn't mean you're giving free yeah, money. Yeah, it doesn't mean that you're printing money, exactly. <laughs> and I think that, you know, Things are a little bit different if you were able to land a Shohei Otani where you know you're going to get tons of ad revenue out mm -hmm. of it if those uh, TV rights revert back to the team and to the league. 
you can go get all the advertising deals you want in the world. Now, you kind of have to do all the heavy lifting yourself in terms of making that money if it happens. Right now, the Rangers are still under contract with Bally Sports. That's still happening as of right now. We know because we've heard through reports that Bally Sports would love to get out of paying that mm-hmm. fee for the 2024 season. Mm-hmm. They would absolutely love and, to not give up those millions. And, and let's just remember, last season had injuries on top of injuries. I can't name like three players that played other than uh, Simeon the entire year. So Rangers fans do not be afraid by a guy leaving the lineup because guys had to be next man up the entire season. That's kind of what our season was, playing on the road, next man up. I mean, arguably our best hitter went down in the biggest series of the Rangers franchise in recent memory, and we still were able to win it. So I I don't think this is something that all of a sudden the Rangers are not going to be contenders because they lost um, Mitch Garver. I do think it'll be replaced with other people's. We saw the emergence, like I said, of Carter. You got still some young guys to come up. You still got Duran and Jankowski there. So there'll be some guys to fill those holes, but obviously they want to spend their money, I would presumably think, on pitching. And they haven't done absolutely nothing, just nothing flashy off the paper. I mean, they did bring in a guy like Kirby Yates, who is a guy that Bruce Bochy is familiar with uh, with his time in the National League. He saw him pitch and managed against him. He knows what he's got. He's a leverage guy that's closed before. Obviously, he's not a closer anymore for a reason, but he's a guy that, you know, with the right coaching, you know, and the right help, the right support system, you might see at least thrive as a good middle inning guy. And then Tyler Malley, a, a, a guy that isn't going to pitch for probably the first part of the season, maybe all the way throughout the summer because he's coming off of Tommy John. But this is a guy that they took a bargain deal on just two years, I think 24 million. Yep. And he's a starting guy that might actually pay off pretty well for you. It's kind of like an Andrew Heaney where they gave him, you know, about market value and said, look, here's a couple years. We'll see what happens. And if it works out well, then we got one hell of a deal out of you. Uh, So they're making moves here and there. And even just today, they were able to (laughs) sign a few guys, seven, seven seven minor league deals that were given out, non-roster invites, but (laughs) training camp invites. Still, uh, like a veteran reliever was in there, a guy that you saw play for the Mariners for a few years, and Diego Castillo. Uh, so they're doing some things like Jesus Tinoco is a name that if you actually watch the games when the team sucked, you'll remember that name. Uh, but Castillo had a 24-18 and 18 record uh, with 35 saves and a 3-2-2 ERA over six big league seasons with Tampa Bay and Seattle most recently with the opponents hitting only 200 against him. So this is a guy that, you know, you give them that non-roster invite and say, look, you have a chance with nothing to lose here. You're not even on the roster right now. If you go out there and you pitch your ass off, then you're going to make this team and we're going to count on you. And and fans, we, as we're, we want splash. We want the big names. We want the things that bring in the eyeballs. And sometimes the teams that just do the regular pickups, the ones that don't make headlines, they're just a quick report end up being those guys that, like you said, with a Heaney, Dunning, those kind of guys that no one's really talking about. Um, if you, I think we did this the last time we were talking about the Rangers. The team with the highest payroll has only won the World Series one time in the last 10 years, and that was the Red Sox in 2018. So just having yeah. the biggest payroll, just having all the marquee guys, just bringing back everybody that you run it back with usually doesn't pan out. And I can't remember, when was the last time we had a back-to-back winner? It was the Yankees, right? A while ago. Yeah, turn of the century. Yeah. (laughs) So 
don't get your hopes up just thinking, oh, we're just going to bring the team back and everything will fall into place. A lot of things went right for the Rangers to win. I mean, they went undefeated on the road. That's very hard to do. So they're trying their best to pull this team together. From the A3O, woo, minor league pickups. Without Bochi having the spheres to bring Carter up, we wouldn't have even sniffed the ALCS. Uh, from the 830 as well, we are a, a Tommy John recovery center at I'm this point. I'm not going to disagree with that. I mean, we can't really disagree with that. But, hey, whenever you are at least constricted in what you're trying to do right now in your mind, you know, you take the low-risk, high-upside guys and you see what you can do with them. And it's happened a couple times with this team. I'm not trying to, you know, say it's all rainbows and sunshine with what the team has done because, honestly, I am a little bit worried because I expected more deals to come together I didn't think they were going to land Shohei Otani 100%. I thought they had a chance to be in the running because I thought it made a lot of sense. But, you know, there were other key names like Josh Hader, like Blake Snell, so on and so forth. A couple of DH options out there that I thought would be in play for the Texas Rangers that clearly, as of today, just aren't exactly in the cards. So uh, good to gauge the interest and the concern of the Tolos out there as the Rangers have had a very quiet winter so far just seven minor league deals and a couple of veteran free agents sprinkled in as well it's the get right here on 105.3 the fan with the young guns alec medford and blake elliott and coming up next so let's take a trip around the nfl more specifically a trip around the denver broncos what went wrong with russell wilson and sean payton we'll talk about it next on the fan Back here on the Get Right on 105.3 The Fan, about to take a trip around the NFL or maybe just around the Denver Broncos that in just a moment. My name is Alec Medford. I'm joined by my partner for the night, Blake Elliott, Man, the fan made, phenom. You sound like some, some hookup, my partner for the night. All right, you didn't need to take that there. <laughs> you know, it, it was an homage to an old friend, if you know, you know. Uh, at the AAC, it is halftime. 69 to 54, pretty nice halftime score for the Dallas Mavericks as they lead the Cleveland Cavaliers by 15 points. Luca has been Luca, just to say the least. He has 29 in the matchup. Seth Curry has 13 points as he has found a couple of open looks and made a couple guys look stupid at points as well. So getting some contributions across the board are the Dallas Mavericks, not exactly, are the Dallas Stars as. They are at the end of the second period, down two to one. They do cut the deficit in half off the stick of Jason Robertson. We will keep you up to date on those matchups as the Stars are on the road playing the St. Louis Blues. But let's go ahead and start our trip around the NFL. And we start with the Denver Broncos. Dun, 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 dun. Why do we start with the Denver Broncos? Because we had sort of an ever-evolving story throughout the day that, hey, Uh, There's financial implications that are going to keep Russell Wilson off the field in favor of Jarrett Stidham. Basically, it was, you know, he's got about $35 million that gets guaranteed on the fifth day of the league year, whatever it may be, for injury guarantees. So they don't want to risk having to guarantee that money up front. And then just hours later, as we're getting ready for the show, Diana Russini of The Athletic tweets, quote, Russell Wilson is expecting to be cut by the Denver Broncos in March, per league sources. For almost two months, the quarterback has been starting knowing the organization was most likely going to move on from him after this season. To which I say, 
what in the hell is going on in Denver? Because there are so many things weird and wrong about this. For one, I get it if you're trying to avoid a clause in the contract that is going to guarantee the money. And you just say, look, we have a little bit of a rough future ahead of us because we traded away a ton of assets to get you here. We want to try to build around you next year. If we have $35 million of our salary cap taken off because you twist your ankle or something, Mm -hmm. that's not going to help us build around you. So how Mm -hmm. about you just sit out these games, you still get paid, and everything is great, and we focus on next year. I can understand that. I think it's a little cheap, but I can understand it. But no, you tell the guy, hey, you are going to void your injury guarantees or we are going to bench you to the point where Rusini is saying lawyers had to get involved on the NFL side and the NFLPA's side to figure out what is going on here to see if there was any foul play by saying, if you don't alter your contract with the money that we guaranteed you and we promised you on legally binding paper, we are going to take your job away from you because we regret giving you a ton of money. Yeah. This is just abysmal work the, by the Denver Broncos. The crazy thing is this was done, what what was the report saying, a couple months ago. This wasn't something that was in Two the Two months. Yeah, so this is, imagine you go to work and they say something in your claws like, hey, you got to. You got to stop eating ice cream or whatever it is. You got to stop doing whatever to do. And you got to go through your day knowing that if you eat ice cream, you're done for. And you're trying to get something switched. So he has that in the back of his head of this team really doesn't want me. They they want me to take this out of my closet. I don't really have. And we know with quarterback, it's all about confidence, trust, and the organization, the coach, all that having trust in you. So the fact that that's gone, I'm surprised he played as good as he did. I mean, they, they started one and five. Then they won five in a row. Now they're one and three in their last four. So it's kind of been an up and down year. And I thought Russ has been okay this year. He hasn't been anything crazy. I mean, 10th in completion percentage, 18th in pass yards a game, 20 yards in pass passing attempt uh, yards per game, six in passing touchdowns, eight interceptions. That's 13th. So he's just been kind of a middle of the road guy. But Alec, as you know, they gave up a haul for him. So you don't want a middle-of-the-road guy. And I just think the personalities are clashing. You have Sean Payton is very outspoken, very much in your face. And then we have Russell that's, you know, not the same. And you know what's crazy is they almost avoided all the conversation that happened right before the trade and really for a couple of years before it that Russell Wilson's play was starting to diminish. Oh, it was it was dipping. That it, year, the, not this year, but the year before that, it was bad. It, it was, was bad. definitely starting to show that, hey, he's getting older, he's not the athlete he once was, and it's forcing him to make bad decisions with the football in his hand. He's not a bad quarterback by any stretch. He's just not the dynamic playmaker that he once was. They avoided all of that conversation, and they went ahead and said, screw it, we're going to trade you, Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, our 2022 first and second and fifth round pick, and then our first in 2023 as well as our second in 2023, which turned into Charles Cross, the tackle, Boye Mafe, Tyreek Smith, Devon Witherspoon, who has been a great corner for them, and Derek Hall, all guys that start for that team in Seattle. They gave up a haul for a guy that the entire league was saying, He's not playing as well as he used to. It's incredible to see that they're backtracking so quick. Not only did they give up a haul, Alec, they took on that contract and then added five years to it. So 
said, ah, oh, we'll, we'll give you another five years and some more money. We'll throw in $125 million guaranteed. And now, as we've seen, the story is coming with Diana telling us about to get cut, dead money. They're just ready just to put their losses behind them and get a different quarterback. They don't even care about the money. Like, Broncos aside, the downfall for Russ is crazy. And I don't really think he should have been cut. And, like, I know a lot of this has been talked about is it has nothing really to do with his play and its financial reasons. But it does have to do with his play. If they believed in him, they would be – because they're still in the playoff race now, albeit they got to have some stuff happen in front of them. But if they really believed in him, they would say, hey, go win these last two games. Obviously, we believe in you, yada, yada, yada. They're saying, ah, we're kind of 50-50 on him. We don't really believe in him. Let's just bench him. We don't want to cause more money, injuries. So, like, this is part of his play. They do not believe in him long term, obviously. King Baby on the Twitch saying that they agree with you, Blake. It's hard to have any type of confidence when you feel like the team is constantly at your throat trying to take everything away from you. And the fact that Russ was able to play through that. Because I had no idea. Like, bravo, Russell Wilson. I've been slandering that man ever since he got traded there because I felt like he was a robot and a fraud of a human being. And I thought he was a fantastic human being uh, and teammate. When he was with Seattle and I started to see those things kind of shift around and hearing from Marshawn Lynch, I'm like, you know what? I don't like that guy. So I slandered him for months. But that that's a true character right there. That's a true leader that he was still able to suit up while all of this was going on for two months and still lead his team out there and be that guy that the team can count on. Incredible work by Russell Wilson. So tip of the cap to him. Uh, we do need to talk about some other quarterback changes as well because if you saw the... Uh, Giants and Eagles game, you saw Tommy DeVito got Tommy DeVito'd. Ooh, nice word. As right I, I, I stole Beautiful. That. I stole that. I stole that. I'm not, I'm not going to take <laughs> credit for it. He said, oh, guys, oh, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah stop that. giving me flowers. That was Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network that said that. But uh, I, I, I had to put it out into the radio universe. But uh, the Giants will be going with Terod Taylor on Sunday against the L.A. Rams per head coach Brian Dable. This comes after the Giants benched. Uh, DeVito, as Kevin Hagelin would say, Tommy DeVito, forget about it uh, at halftime of their Christmas loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. So he was pulled after the 5-10 and Giants entered halftime, trailing 20-3. to And Taylor nearly brought the Giants all the way back on the road in Philly after not playing forever. So, I mean... I, I, it, I don't know what to feel about that because I know the stats kind of prove that Tyrod's been better in the last two sta- starts. And I don't know if it's just the DeVito energy that's that's holding a, a, a curse over my head where it makes it feel like he's better than he actually is. But I saw some throws that Tyrod Taylor was missing. I was like, come on. The pass rush was getting to come him, on, though. Be- I, I will give him that because Philly's front four was yeah. giving him absolute hell. Especially when they don't think that the guy back there can process. Like, it's like yeah. a, a backup game. They're just going to blitz all day. He had all of 1.3 seconds in attempt mm-hmm. to process the play in front of him be- before he had to get the ball out, they, before getting hit. They had the one at the end where I can't remember who it was, leaked out and had, like, an obvious touchdown, and he, like, threw it five yards short, and I just, like, threw my remote. I was like – could have been my perfect Christmas gift. The Eagles almost <laughs> lost. Like, that was an ugly Eagles win. And I, I don't know if Tyrod Taylor's the answer. I don't think they think that. But obviously, they don't think DeVito is. So, quarterback questions in, 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 New, in New England. In um, New York, I mean, you had Daniel Jones. Bench him. Or he gets hurt. Then you get DeVito. Think maybe he's an answer. Maybe some controversy. Now, he gets benched. So, I don't. who knows what they're going to do. Last two notes real quick around the NFL in regards to quarterbacks. The Commanders will be starting Jacoby Brissett versus the 49ers after benching Sam Howell on Sunday after we were all saying, for the most part, 
Uh, he's got a bad situation out there, but Sam Howell might kind of have something to work with. Well, they're not going to figure it out this year because it will be Jacoby Brissett going against the 49ers because after they benched Howell on Sunday, that passing offense just came to life. So maybe they'll have something there. And quarterback C.J. Stroud is returning to practice for Thank the Houston God. Texans. They need him. Which is clearing his path to return from the concussion protocol that's your trip around the nfl coming up next on the get right we are going to rank the nfc wild card contenders and let's talk about the playoff picture altogether for the nfc has your respect or maybe fear of the 49ers dwindled after their loss to the ravens we'll do that next on the get right